defining moments that we can look back and identify. If we stop and think about it, we can identify and say, you know, when when that happened, it changed me. It changed the the direction on my life. It changed the course that I was going. It changed something about who I am and uh, and, and and who I have become. Uh, I, I can identify actually several, but I, but but let me share with you a couple of those. I I remember a time I went to a a week of high school church camp. It was different than regular church camp. It was held at Ozark Christian College. It was called High Schoolers on Campus. I just graduated high school. Actually decided last minute to go to this camp, uh, and it was there that I that I felt a call to go to Bible college and and ultimately on into ministry. and And I can look back to that week and and realize, hey, that was a defining moment in my life. It was it was probably two years later, just a little bit over two years later, that another event happened that changed my life. I saw Rita for the first time, and uh, even though I didn't know it at the time when I saw her. That changed my life um, for the better, definitely, definitely for the better. My life changed because I saw her. I, you probably all could say this: the first time I held my my, the, my first child in my arms, that that changes you. Uh, and then the second, and then the third, and and then the fourth. Well, the fourth was a little big to hold my arms. Uh, you know the story there, but uh, but but nonetheless, each child changed me. And then a few years after that, of the first grandchild, a, a defining moment. Um, and quite honestly, I, and I don't say this to to patronize you, uh, the first time I walked through the doors of Troy Christian Church. Well, technically, it wasn't the first time. First time I walked in this church was years ago. I did a wedding here. Uh, performed a, a wedding ceremony, but but about three years ago when I came back and walked through the doors to to just fill in on a Sunday, uh, set set some things into motion. Some people regret that moment, like Neil. But uh, uh, but you like my wife, right? You're, Malia likes my wife, so that's good. Uh, but it changed my life. We we all have those defining moments that change us, and it's not. It's not hard then to, to look in Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, and realize that some of the key people in the New Testament, some of the ones that we know and we know their story, we, we know who they were, that they had moments in their life that were defining, that, that changed their lives forever. So this morning, we're, we're going to look at this idea of change by contact, and we're going to, to look at uh, actually three different people who had their lives changed by coming in contact with Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're, we're in a study in the, the Gospel of John, so turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to look in chapter 1, starting with verse 35. We'll read down a few verses to verse 42. John chapter 1, starting with verse 35. No, look and see if you catch, if you notice the ones that were changed by contact. The next day, John, that's talking about John the Baptist there. Uh, the next day, John was there again, with his two disciples. Uh, now, now, let me kind of put it in context. Uh, before that, he had seen Jesus or earlier in verse 29. He had seen him coming towards him, said, look, the Lamb of God. Uh, even though John doesn't uh, talk about it, it probably was the, the time that, he, that, that uh, he was baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus was. So, so this is the next day. Uh, uh, he was there with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look. Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, two of John's disciples, two of John the Baptist's followers, when he heard him say this, they followed Jesus. 
Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, what do you do or where are you staying? Verse 39, come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him, and it was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and, uh, and, fo- uh, and, and followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The, this text identifies two men or points out that there were two men that were, that were followers of John the Baptist, were disciples of John the Baptist that turned and began to follow uh, Jesus. Uh, the text itself identifies one of those. It identifies Andrew, who was, uh, we, we know Andrew, but we know Andrew's brother, Simon Peter, a whole lot better. So one of them was Andrew, and theologians believe that the second one was was John, uh, John, the, the writer of this gospel, John, whose brother was James, uh, of James and John. So so they believe it was Andrew, and it uh, obviously was Andrew, and they believe it was John who was writing this context. Let's look at at how coming in contact with Jesus changed them. Uh, and, and let's look at the first one. He was he had a changed importance. The first one changed by contact with Jesus, and and it's a a little bit of an odd way that he was changed. Probably this point, this idea is, in some ways, may hit you the least. Um, you, you may come come away from this one like, well, that's no big, big big deal. That doesn't apply to me. Although there is some application there. The the first one that was changed by contact with Jesus was John the Baptist himself. Uh, and, and how he was changed teaches us, I think, some valuable lessons. And what changed was, first of all, his ministry. When when John came in contact with Jesus, John's ministry changed. Now, let me ask the question. So uh, this is open for, so, for for any of you that want to answer. Uh, what was, can, can someone just uh, summarize this real quickly? What was John's, the Baptist, what was his ministry? What was he called to do? What was he doing before he came in contact with Jesus? Anyone? Kind of some answers from Scripture there. Anyone want to tell me what John was doing? What he was supposed to do? I know you know it. Thank you. Preparing people for Jesus and what he was doing, and part of that was baptizing them into repentance. So he was preaching a message of repentance. He was preparing the way for Jesus so people would would know about Jesus. That was his John. Uh, that was his job. If you look back earlier in the the book of John, first first chapter, look at verses six through nine. There was there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone, to every man, was coming into the world. So that was. His ministry, that was his job. If you look back in Luke, Luke chapter 3, verse 4, it says this, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John was an interesting guy. In fact, 
hold hold the Gospel of John open. Would you run back to to Matthew chapter three? Let's read a few verses there as it talks a little bit about a uh, little bit about who John was. Matthew chapter three, starting with verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. So, so he was prophesied, a voice of one calling the desert, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight his paths. John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. He, his food was locusts and wild honey. People came, uh, went out to him from Jerusalem, all over Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So, so this is John. John the Baptist's ministry was, was to prepare the way to get people ready to, 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 to accept and see Jesus. Now catch this. John, John was popular. John was drawing crowds. Everyone knew who John the Baptist was. Now, he wasn't standing on a street corner in Jerusalem. He wasn't standing at, at one of the gates of the temple doing all of this ministry. He was out in the desert. So, so how do you get a crowd in the desert? They have to come to you. And that's what was happening. People were going out in the desert to see this guy who was dressed in camel skin. His hair was long and wild. He was eating honey and wild locusts. He probably smelled. He looked weird. He, he, he had a, a message that was different. Uh, he actually kind of challenged the, the religious leaders and, and they were coming to see him. John had a ministry that was, that was thriving. And then he came in contact with Jesus. And it changed. His ministry, which he really had been doing his whole life, uh, he had been born for that. In fact, he had been prophesied over. He was a special child. Before he was ever born, it was prophesied what he was going to do and who he was going to be. But for all practical, practical purposes, his ministry, when he came in contact with Jesus, was over. Now, now he probably he, he probably kept preaching. He probably kept baptizing. He probably kept talking about repentance. He he still was influencing people, but John had gone from being Mister Popular. He'd gone from being the the in thing to when he met Jesus. Suddenly, it was over. And really, what happened was he had a change then in his mindset. See, he had been preparing the way. But now the way had arrived. He had been preparing for Jesus, but now Jesus was there. He had been getting people ready to see the Messiah, but now the Messiah was there. Uh, his ministry changed, changed, and his mindset changed. Look over, hold John one open, and and, and go back uh, or go forward a couple chapters to John chapter three. Uh, l- let me let me read some verses there, starting verse twenty six, that will tell us how John understood that things were changing, that his mindset was going to change. Sorry, verse 26. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, he's talking about Jesus, well, he is baptizing, everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a man can only receive, can receive only what is given from him. You yourself can testify that I am, or what I said, that I am not the Christ, but, the, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends 
The bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. Did you catch what he's saying? Man, I was just preparing, and now he's arrived. And Man, job done. And notice what he says in verse 30. He must become greater. I must become less. He must become greater. I must become less. I think I've heard this last year, I've heard of three different instances. One of them uh, was was a close friend that told me about this. Another one was one of my sons, and and, and then another a friend of mine. Uh, three different situations where where a pastor at a church who had who had been at the church a long time, the church had grown, and God had just blessed that church. And well, the, the the pastor in all three cases was coming to the end of their ministry. It was a time that they realized, hey, it's time for me to retire or at least step back and let someone else kind of step in and take a leadership and move the church in a new direction. And 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 all three cases, they they handpicked someone to to take that role, handpicked someone to step in and take the reins, and you will be the next leader. And in all three of those cases. That, that senior pastor who had to step back for a while, who said, okay, I must become less, you become greater. Boy, they struggled and, and stepped back in. Like, oh, no, I just can't give up the reins yet. I've got to hold on a little longer. We don't see John doing that. Jesus has arrived. He was changed by contact with Jesus. Now, now I know what you might be thinking. Well, what does that have to do with me? I'm not John the Baptist. I'm not preparing a way. How does that apply to me? I, I think there's a couple of just real simple things that we should take from that and remember. Number one, in the church, this is true of myself. This is true of our leaders. This is true of, uh, of all of us in the church. We need to, to, to have John's spirit and John's attitude when it comes time for us to graciously step aside. There, there are times when, when it's time for us to, to hand over a ministry to someone else and say, you know what, it's time for me to step down, you take it. We have to be like John and say, okay, you are ordained to take it the next step. Maybe it's, maybe it's the role of minister where it's time for someone else. So I, I, I will have to step back and say, no, you take that now. Or maybe it's leadership and it's like, you know, it's time for someone else to step into this role and for me to, to, to be a support role, for me to keep on, keep on preaching, but, but I'm going to, I'm not going to be in front as much as I once was. Or or maybe it deals with just how things change in the church. It's, boy, it's time for the church to change a direction. And and, and let, let's not hold on to the way we used to do it, but let's, let's think outside the box. One of the lessons we can learn from John here is that we are changed by contact with Jesus. Sometimes we just have to step by, back like John the Baptist did. And here's the second thing is we all need to humble ourselves to follow Jesus. John went from being a preparer for Jesus to being a follower of Jesus. And and if you're catching us and nothing else from, from this whole first point, catch this idea that we all have to humble ourselves a little bit. We all have to give up a little bit of control. We all have to say, hey, it's about him to follow Jesus. There was a uh, there was also a changed allegiance there was a changed uh, uh, allegiance here john uh, and andrew had been following john the baptist they they they, they were right uh, with him they were part of his ministry and and the allegiance changed and it wasn't it wasn't easy first of all it 
it wasn't easy for John the Baptist to to let go. It wasn't easy for him to to release his guys to start following Jesus. Look back at verse 35. Notice what it said there. Did you catch that? The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, did you catch that? Jesus walked by again. John's there with Peter, or excuse me, with Andrew and John, two of his right-hand guys. He's there with them. Jesus walks by, and, and what does he say? He says, there goes the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. They would have understood. In fact, the text later on tells us that they did when, when Andrew went and talked to Peter. They understood exactly what he meant by that. They understood exactly what he was saying. Look, there goes the one I've been talking about. Look, there goes the one we've been dreaming about. There goes the one we've been praying. There is the Messiah. It wasn't easy for John to let go, to let them change allegiance from him to following Jesus. Uh, there were 12 disciples. Uh, we, we know from Scripture there were 12 men that were were the ones closest to Jesus, but there were three disciples that were kind of the inner inner circle. Uh, anyone want to make a stab on who those three were? We've talked about it before. There were three guys that were kind of the inner circle that were always with Jesus in special situations. Anyone want to name who those were? James, John, Peter. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, so in this text, what would have happened? What would have happened if if John? the Baptist hadn't said, look, the Lamb of God. What if he had said, you know, I'm going to keep these guys here. What would have happened had they not followed Jesus? Well, first of all, you got two of them, James and John. They were brothers. They wouldn't have been that inner circle. Uh, and Peter, Peter was Andrew's brother. Andrew's the one that brought G, uh, Peter to Jesus. What, what would they have missed if John had held on to them and not pointed John and Andrew to Jesus. Now, now catch this. This is really what I want you to, to get from this point. And maybe this is what you really need to get from the sermon today. You will never, you will never go wrong. You will never go wrong when you point someone to Jesus. When we point someone to Jesus. It's right where he wants us to be. And that's what John did. Look, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. I, I was talking yesterday morning to, to Case Keller. I appreciate Case giving me this illustration uh, kind of last minute. I was talking to Case as we were getting ready for the walk yesterday. And, and Case said, hey, Tim, you know what? All those people that I invited to Easter Sunday... And, and uh, you, you, some of you noticed it, some of you may not have, but Case, when we had those invite cards that we had sitting in the back, Case took those by, by the stack full and stuck them in the back pocket of his overalls uh, and, and handed those out at school like they were candy. In fact, maybe next year put candy, a uh, piece of mint or something on those as you hand them out. That, that might even go better. But he'd come into church. And one Sunday he came in and he still had some in his pocket. They were kind of worn because he had had them in his pocket. But, but he came back a couple times and got more cards, and I don't know how many of those cards he handed out. But he said to me yesterday morning, you know what, I handed out all those cards. Not one of those people came to church. But you know what? You're never wrong when you point someone to Jesus. Now, they didn't come Easter Sunday, but, but we don't know the, how the story ends. 
maybe somewhere down the road they'll show up here. Maybe somewhere down the road they'll end up at the Baptist church or they'll end up, end up at, uh, uh, at a church in St. Joe. Or maybe years down the road they'll, they'll, they'll have a crisis in their life and they'll just think, you know what, there, there was this kid that invited me to church. Maybe church has the answer. Uh, and they'll end up somewhere. We're never wrong when we point someone to Jesus. Church, you, you have so many opportunities to point people to Jesus. Maybe it's just that coworker that knows you're a believer, and when they have a health scare, they come to you and say, hey, will you pray with me? I have to go to the doctor tomorrow. I'm going to find the results of the test. And, and you either say you're going to pray for them, or maybe you just stop and take a moment and, and whisper a prayer for them right there where you are at work. Or, or, or maybe it's, it's someone at work that knows that you attend church and they just see your example and, and the love that you have or, or you stand up for something that's right and a principle or, or they, they see that you don't talk or act a certain way. Every time we point to Jesus, we're doing what he's called us to do. It wasn't easy for John point to Jesus, but it's what he was called to do. It, it wasn't easy for them either. Uh, it wasn't easy for, for Andrew and for John uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, it, it sometimes isn't easy for us to follow. Sometimes it's not easy. Uh, James and John and Peter and Andrew were fishermen uh, John, and I assume the, the brothers were probably following John the Baptist as well, but, but they were doing it somewhat part-time. When they, when they came in contact with Jesus, they dropped everything and followed him. See, it, when you change your allegiance, it's not easy, and, and sometimes it's not without risk. See, they, they had the risk of the unknown. They, they had no idea what was going to happen. They had no idea where Jesus was going to lead them. When we follow Jesus, sometimes it's unknown. Jeff Walling, uh, in a, a book he wrote, tells a story of a time when he was growing up. He said he grew up in Southern California, and his family would go to the beach often. And said they were they would go to the beach, and he really didn't like the ocean, uh, and so he would sit at the edge of the uh, of the waves and make sandcastles and. And it really bugged his dad because his dad wanted him to get out in the water. He knew he would have a good time. So, so he got a little bit older. His dad one time took him by the hand and said, Son, you're going out in the waves. And he took him out. And, 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 and Walling says, says this. He says, One day dad drug me into the water. As the waves rose around me, so did my panic level. Soon the, their force swept me off my feet. And for a few terrifying seconds, I would float loose in all of that foam. Well, not really loose. I had my dad's hand, Walling says. No, no matter how hard the waves crashed around us, no matter how many times I felt my feet go flying, never once did he let go. Eventually, he says, I relaxed and began to enjoy it. <laughs> when we follow Jesus, when we change our allegiance, it's not without risk. Sometimes it's unknown and Sometimes it's unclear. Sometimes we're not sure where that's going to lead us. Look at, uh, look at verse 38 and 39. Turning around, Jesus saw them because they started following him, and, and Jesus asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Uh, Jesus said, what do you want? And their response was not what I expect from this text. I would have thought when Jesus said, hey, what do you want? Because 
John says, there's the lamb. They start following. Jesus turns around. What do you want? I thought they would have said, hey, we want to be your disciple. Or, hey, we want to know more about uh, about who you are. Hey, we want to know how, how we can serve. That's what I thought they would ask. Instead, it seems like, now maybe there's another explanation, but it seems like they choked. It seems like they got scared. It seems like they were like, what do we say? Hey, where are you staying, Jesus? <laughs> where, where, where are you laying your head at night? Uh, some Sometimes we... We find ourselves following Jesus, and, and, and we're unclear what's going to happen. But we just have to follow. See, it was a big deal for them to change their allegiance. And then we see they, they had a changed mission. They had a changed mission. If you look at verse 40 and uh, 41, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Two things, and we'll, we'll kind of wind down here, two things that he did. He had a changed mission. Andrew understood that his mission now was about bringing people to Jesus. When he found the Messiah, when he realized that Jesus was the one, he, first of all, told someone. He, he went to his brother and said, now, now he, he, he takes a little bit, l- little bit of a license here. The truth is that John pointed him to Jesus. He said, hey, we found it. So he kind of gives himself a little more authority there than he should have. But we found the Messiah. We found the one. So he, he told someone, we found Jesus. We found him. And he didn't just stop there. It says in verse 42, he brought him to where he was. He took his brother and said, come on, let me show you who I have found. And lastly, we see, and it's kind of odd that it, it's dropped in this text, but, but we see a changed name. Verse 42 finishes. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him. He looked at Peter. He said, you are Simon, son of John. You, are, you will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter. When we come in contact with Jesus, we're changed. Let me, uh, let me ask a question as I finish up. Guys, you can come on up. How has Jesus changed you? How has Jesus changed you? See, it changed John the Baptist. He he stepped aside and began pointing to Jesus. And it changed uh, Andrew and John because they, their, their whole lives flipped upside down and they, as they started following the, the Master. How has your life changed because you've come in contact with Jesus? It was two years ago, almost to the day. Uh, it was Saturday afternoon, uh, probably was May 6th, I believe, if it had been two years ago. Saturday afternoon, uh, after our first uh, 6K walk, uh, Crystal and Nick and family had come up for it, as well as a couple of other kids. And, and uh, that afternoon, we, we went out into the backyard at our house to cut down a tree or, or cut down cut up part of a tree that had fallen. And we got out there, Nick and I, and we started cutting that up and started loading chunks of it in the back of my pickup. And, and I think it was about then that Rita showed up out there, and she informed us, uh, from a distance, by the way, she informed us that there there was poison ivy in that tree. 
And I told her, no, there's not. There's this big old fat vine that runs up the, 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 the tree, but that's not poison ivy. Poison ivy's down on the ground. It's got three little shiny leaves. That's not poison ivy. That's just some vine. Well, great thing about phones is you can start Googling, and she Googled some pictures, and look right there. Poison ivy grows into big fat vines and heads up trees. And Now, I wasn't concerned because I don't get poison ivy. When I was a kid, I rubbed some poison ivy. I, all my friends had poison ivy and got to put neat red stuff on their arms. I, I rubbed it on my arm and didn't get anything, so I, I'm not afraid of that. But we, we were cutting those logs up, and the sap was running out of that big old fat vine. And we had, Nick and I both had it all over us. Caleb showed up. When he heard poison ivy, he went back to the house because he gets it bad, and he didn't even want to be anywhere near. Two or three days later, I got a couple bumps on my, my, my arm and wrist. Nothing, just like a mosquito bite. I thought, huh, guess that was poison ivy got a call from crystal she had taken nick to the er because <laughs> his arms exploded and it was either two or three trips to the er over over a course of a couple weeks with steroid treatment and antibiotics and all kinds of stuff because when he came in contact with that poison ivy it changed him <laughs> it, it did me a little bit but not much how how about you when you come in contact with jesus we can we can kind of stay at, at, at arm's length and we can kind of push him away and we can say, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll listen, but I'm not going to really follow. And maybe all we get is just a couple bumps. But, but boy, if we, if we take Jesus in, if we ingest Jesus, if we make him our Lord and Savior, we will be changed by him. John the Baptist did. Kind of a weird story. He went from being popular to, to being kind of nobody and in Jerusalem at the time but he was pointing to Jesus Peter and and, and Andrew or, or Andrew and John uh, went from following this weird guy out in the desert to walking day by day with the master ultimately it cost them their lives but they were changed would you bow with me as we ask God to change us Father I just pray this morning that you can change us by contact with you. Lord, we thank you for the testimony of Scripture that we see people changed when they follow you. Lord, help us take a close close look at our own hearts and our own lives and ask ourselves, how are we changed by contact with you? Lord, let your Spirit seep into our lives and change us from the inside out. We pray in Jesus' name.